CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live with the Nasdaq Market Aid on this Expiration Friday. The guys here getting ready behind me. And while they're doing that, here's what's coming up in the show. Investors are anxiously awaiting to see if tech earnings could save the rally. But Dan Nathan says, watch out. Another wreck could be coming. He'll tell you how to protect yourself. Plus, McDonald's has been eating the competition's lunch for the last few months. And the chartmaster Carter Worth says, the Golden Arches look prime for an even bigger breakout on earnings next week. He'll break it down. And... That pretty much sums up the move in Ford this year. And with the stock's dividend now in question, how much worse can it get for the beaten auto giant? Mike Cole will lay out the trade. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And let's get right to it because we are heading into a make or break week for tech. Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet all out with earnings and the options market is implying some pretty big moves. Microsoft and Alphabet could see a 5% swing in either direction. Amazon could move more than 6%. Altogether, that could spark a more than $140 billion shift in market cap just next week. With the Nasdaq down around 8% from its high, how should you play the space heading into these reports? Let's get in the money right now. And Dan is taking a look at QQQ, the Nasdaq 100. Yeah, so the ETF, the tracks, and NASDAQ 100, I think it's really important to focus on the weight here. So the top four stocks, the Microsoft, the Apple, Google, and Amazon, we know what we call them. We call them the MAGA. They make about 42% of the weight of that index of 100 stocks. Throw Facebook in there, and you get to 50%. And really why I think it's important to kind of focus on the QQQ right now, if you look at the weakness over the last two weeks in the broad market, we started going down because MAGA started going down together. And we think about earnings next week, and you think about those implied moves. If they all started going in the same direction with a technical uh, setup that we have, and I'll let Carter speak to it, we could have a really big downdraft over the next few weeks if the earnings do not um, stack up. So, you know, when you think about it, the NASDAQ, the QQQ is up about 12% on the year. Some of those names are up massively. Apple's up 30%. Microsoft's up 27%. Google's only up 5%, but it's still a pretty meaty name. Um, and Amazon's up a whopping 50%. So the QQQ could set up as a really good hedge if you're trying to wait it out to the end of the year or hold on to some of these names. Um, you know, implied volatility, the price of options has kind of shot up lately, but the technical setup in the QQQ wants me to actually buy put spreads, especially in hedging conditions. I have a one-year chart right here. I'll let Carter speak to it all. But that's to my eye. I see an air pocket below 170, down to 160. If we break, we have a three-year chart. This is the most important one, the trend. It seems to be sitting right on it or right below it. It wouldn't take much to get this thing going much lower. So today, the QQQ closed at 173. I think you look out to November expiration. The November 173, 160 put spread could be bought for $3 buying one of the November 173 puts at 430, selling one of the November 160 puts at 130. That breaks even down at 170. You can make up to $10 between 170 and 160 with a max gain down there. $3. That's your max loss. 2% of the stock price here in for the next month with all of these earnings coming out. 
You know, I like using put spreads here. As you pointed out, options premiums are slightly elevated, as they often are when we get close to earnings season. You know, we put on a put spread in Netflix last week, and then we saw what happened to the stock this week. Obviously, it did really well, sold right off. We're actually back to scratch on that put spread week on week, despite the fact that it gapped up on earnings. That kind of weakness to me, you know, you would expect to see it actually have followed through strength after it gapped up. Instead, it did exactly the opposite. So I, I like using put spreads here. Well, that's right. So you've heard the two key things here. You've got a great trend that's now in question. You saw the chart that uh, Dan uh, put up. But you also have the circumstance where price action day to day, hour to hour, is very poor, meaning great beats by Adobe, Netflix. The stocks did not advance. CSX, one of the biggest rails, did not advance. Banks not doing well. Certain industrials, PPG, meaning the tape, just like an old-fashioned tape reader, the tape is poor. You're not getting rewarded for really good results. What if? The results are poor. Are you concerned that some of these stocks have uh, seen declines going into earnings and therefore the setup yeah. is actually better for them? Yeah, so let's look out to next Friday, uh, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, the 24th, 25th. We have two of them reporting. And listen, if we go down another 5% in the next few days, it doesn't set up as a great press on the short side. That's why I very much am billing this as a bit of a hedge here. But listen, risking three to maybe make 10 if we're down about 10% over the next month in an increasingly volatile market with all these events, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Thing. I mean, when we were looking basically at that peak to trough decline of about 7%, you're risking, what, about 2%, yeah. actually, maybe even a little bit less than that to make your bearish bet here. And, I, and to me, you know, from a risk-reward you know, basis, that makes a lot of sense. You're not really risking a great deal of the underlying. It's trading at 173 as it closed today. Three bucks to make a directional bet that, you know, Technically, it does seem like there's good reason to make, I think, is a good trade setup here. All right. Well, from big tech to big burgers, let's talk the fast food stocks. Take a look at shares of McDonald's in stealth rally mode, outperforming the broader market over the past three months with a gain of about 6%. Meantime, the rest of the fast food stocks, they've been getting burned. The chart master here says the golden arches could shine even brighter when they report earnings next week. So, Carter, why don't you head over to the plasma sure, show let's us. let's take a look. So the thing here is that McDonald's, and you'll see this in the first chart, is really more correlated uh, to the staples than it is to the discretionary sector. Now, it's the third biggest weight in uh, the XLY, but I wanted to start with this chart, which shows you here. Here, of course, is the consumer discretionary sector, which McDonald's is in, but you can see that actually it's tracking more like a staple over the past 12 months, because in many ways it is a defensive uh, security. You could say it's discretionary. In many ways, it's the, it's the world's cafeteria. It's the cheapest meal you can get. And so that is a defensive element. Moving on, here we have the real issue. McDonald's on the top, a great uptrend, and yet its relative performance to the S&P peaked in 2011. Now, that's a long time to underperform. In fact, since 2011, McDonald's is up 60%, the market's up about 120, half the performance. But I think that's the opportunity. McDonald's having underperformed is looking as though it's going to catch up and start to come to life, both because it is defensive and both because day-to-day -day price action uh, technically suggests that. Here's the long-term chart again without relative, and I think the lines draw themselves this way. A lot of tension in this wedge, and I'm going to play for the breakout to the upside. How high? Let's zero in on this and study this more closely. Here's the here and now chart. Let's put in our lines. And what we have is this tension. And you can see it. It's very precise. You have what is called a, a series of lower highs and higher lows as you work into the apex. It's the decision moment. And I'm going to make the bet 
that we are going to break out and we'll get back to about 181. That would be an all-time high. I think McDonald's is a good play here, both offensively and defensively. All right. So, Mike, how do you play that? Yeah, so, you know, that tension that he's referring to, it would appear that the options market actually is expecting a little bit of that. Not just because it's expecting earnings, but the implied move right now at just under 5% is higher than the average move for McDonald's. What that is telling us is that options premiums are higher than they normally would be, even going into earnings. And when I see higher options prices, what I'm usually inclined to do is try to find ways to sell them. This is not a stock that typically moves a whole lot. What I was looking at was the December 165 puts. When I was looking at these earlier today, you could sell them for about four bucks and a quarter, $4.25, the Decembers. And the nice thing about this is that obviously if the stock just lingers right here and it typically doesn't move that much on earnings, you get to collect that premium. If you do have the stock put to you at 165, net net you're going to be buying it closer to 160 bucks and obviously if it goes up you get to collect all that premium as well i think especially the tape being weak like it was this week and you know maybe this will be completely counter trend if the market does roll over but to me i'm being a little bit more defensive rather than going out and buying calls i'm looking for ways to collect some premium here and potentially buy this stock at a discount if it doesn't get the rally that you're talking about you know, it's interesting because, you know, what you're saying about it trading with the Staples, obviously Staples caught a bid over the last couple of weeks here, and it's actually showed some really good relative strength. Now we have this fundamental news that's important. I think what Carter's kind of identifying this 155 to 170 range is really important for Mike's trade because let's say, say, the earnings aren't enough to break it out above that level. The stock could come in a little bit. Mike's still going to make money on this trade. The real bad scenario is we've seen some, some companies that have missed, and the stocks are down 10% on their way to go down 20%. And that's when you don't want to be short to put, except for the fact if you're going to go out and buy the stock prior to the earnings, then this is a better trade setup. Yeah, I mean, this is, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say also, remember, Wendy's is unchanged on the month. Starbucks is up on the month. You know, Yum is unchanged. There's a defensive element to some of this stuff, and that's really the... I think why I wanted to put the trade on because you have that plus the fact that it could just be a, a good number and, and ascend on its results. Yeah, I mean, people do like the fundamental story here. They've obviously been making a lot of changes over the course of the last couple of years. They, every single one of those things that they said they were going to do, whether it was cutting SG&A expense, whether it was refranchising, they've hit every single one of them, and they're still on track actually to continue that. They're talking about basically 95% franchising by next year or thereabouts. So that actually helps reduce a lot of the risks that companies like this would otherwise face. So, you know, I, fundamentally, I like what they're doing. The valuation is, oh, we'll call it reasonable at about 20 times forward. So, you know, to me, I think, you know, we look for opportunities to sell premium. When options prices have been as low as they have been for a long time, we haven't seen many, and I kind of like doing that here. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. I hear today's edition has the winning lottery numbers. Remember the billion-dollar jackpot? Yeah, it's there. Here's what's coming up next. Not if you own shares of Ford, because that stock has been stuck in reverse. But Mike Coe says the damage could be done. He will explain. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to Options Action. Ford shares stuck in reverse this year, down more than 30 percent, and the troubles just keep mounting for the automaker heading into its earnings report next week. Phil LeBose in Chicago with all the details. Hey, Phil. Hi, Melissa. Today, Morgan Stanley put out a note, and this added to the concerns that investors have that Ford is really adrift, that it really has no direction in the future. Adam Jonas, the analyst there, really coming out with a couple of key points. First of all, he cut the company's rating of Ford down to equal weight from overweight, cut the price target from $14 down to $10, and he summed up their view about the lack of transparency at Ford by saying, we see limited progress, limited progress regarding the company's restructuring plan. Remember, they canceled an analyst meeting that was scheduled for September where the company was supposed to outline its plan for restructuring the business and investing in mobility solutions in the future. Well, since then, it's had little to say about when it might either uh, reschedule that meeting or what the restructuring ultimately will be. And as a result, shares of Ford continue to be under pressure. Keep in mind, there's also growing chatter amongst analysts about speculation this company could potentially either cut or eliminate the dividend at some point in the future as it looks to conserve cash. And finally, I want to show you guys this wall, because this chart says it all about Ford's leadership over the last four CEOs going back to 2001. There it is. Only Alan Mulally has seen shares of Ford grow under his tenure. If you go back to 2001 to 2006 before Alan Mulally, Bill Ford, the chairman of the company, he was CEO and under his leadership, lost half its value. We know the story about Mark Fields when he was there. Jim Hackett, who's been in the leadership role as CEO since May of 2007, the stock is down 22 percent. Melissa, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who have looked at this chart today when we set it out on Twitter and they said, Wow. Since 2001, this stock really hasn't done anything. And really, Melissa, the last 20 years, the stock is down 67 percent. Ford reports wow. earnings after the bell on Wednesday. All right. We'll be watching. Phil, thanks. Phil LeBeau in Chicago. So with Ford shares down more than 30 percent this year and the stock's dividend in question, how should you play the stock heading into earnings? Professor Coe is over at Plasma with his call to action. Mike. Yeah. So we're going to take a look at doing a put calendar in Ford. And here's some of the reasons why. First and foremost, the implied move on earnings next week, perhaps not surprisingly, is above average. And what that also tells us is that options are expensive, particularly the near-dated options versus the longer-dated ones. And finally, one of the other reasons I might look at a strategy like this is, to my eye, and I think we are obviously going to need to get Carter's input on this, the stock does look a bit oversold. He also, Phil was just talking about in addition to this incredible weakness that we've seen, and this is only a one-year chart, but obviously he was talking about a period significantly uh, longer than that. He was also talking about a potential dividend cut. Taking a look at the options markets, what we're seeing is that there's an implied dividend cut of about 50% in the Jan 2020 options, although the options market isn't necessarily seeing something happening a whole lot sooner than that. So let's take a look at the structure of the trade. When I was looking at this earlier today, you could sell the November 8 strike puts. You could collect 20 cents for those and then buy the January 8 strike puts for about 38 cents. That's a net debit of 18. In fact, actually, you could have bought them a little bit cheaper. I was in there today. I got, uh, I got a little bit at about 17 cents. And the idea here is that we're trying to collect that elevated near-dated options premium, expecting that maybe some of the worst in the near term is over but giving us a way to finance the purchase of that longer dated put. It does look pretty dismal for the business. It seems like the company has lost its way a little bit, and it's dependent on their one very good, but basically the only product, which is their light-duty trucks right now.
What do you think of the trade? So interesting. I really like calendars, and I see exactly what Mike's trying to do here. So, Mike, in a name like this that's in a free fall, and we know that they have just mountains and mountains of debt, and there's a lot of things that could be, you know, announcements that they could make um, that could send this stock much, much lower, not likely much higher anytime soon. Do you worry about trying to thread the needle month, you know, selling November 8th? And even if the stock goes down, you're going to make some money, but you may not get the move that you want by having that put calendar on. Yeah, you know, that's a pretty good point. You know, one of the things I would point out is the stock was about $8.50 today. And being only 50 cents away from that $8 strike may seem like it's pretty close. Don't forget, though, that it's going to have to get well through that strike, probably down to 7.5, maybe a little bit lower before you're going to see losses on a trade like that. And frankly, a move of a dollar on an $8.50 stock, you're talking about, you know, a nearly 12% move between now and November expiration. So I think the risk actually of us going below, say, seven and a half bucks between now and November expiration. Personally, I think that's slightly, you know, it's not that high, but I think we probably should refer to Carter on that one. Well, so, uh, you know, Mike used the phrase oversold, and that is a, a circumstance at present. I would just point out two things. The stock is now trading right now 20% below its 150-day moving average. And if you look back over the last six, eight years, that's happened about five times. And every time, it is, it is bounced at about this juncture. The second thing I point out, if one just looked at the closing price, you'd say Ford was down a penny. But the real story was Ford having closed 850, it was trading at 8 spot 19, down almost 4%. And it reversed and closed very well. To me, it looks as though it put in an important uh, sort of day-to-day, week-to-week, intermediate low. And that, in fact, you could get a bounce here on the earnings. Have we seen the worst for Ford, do you think, this well, year? So the, the issue is this, right? You're talking about a stock that's down this much, yeah. that on a day has reversed. Something's wrong with the business, and probably it goes lower long term. Uh, in fact, I would say almost distinctly so. But tactically, I think it's a better buy than a sale. Up next, it is the party in your pantry. The consumer staple sector closing out its best week uh, since 2011. Is this the beginning of a bigger rally? We will explain. Plus, let's get a check on our Kramer cam. And you see Jim, he's sitting down with the PayPal CFO. After that stock soared today, you can catch the full interview at the top of the hour. We are live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. More options action after this break. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Now, last month, Dan said the beaten down consumer staple sector was gearing up for more pain. Look at this uptrend since 2011. It broke it earlier in the year when things started to get bad. It just got rejected there. I want to play over the next couple months or so for a move back below uh, 50 bucks here. You could very simply look out to November expiration by the November 54 puts, paying 90 cents for those, those break even at 53.10. The XLP soaring today following a blowout earnings report from Procter & Gamble, the group closing out their best week in seven years. So, Dan, what are you doing with Staples now? So here's the deal. You know, that uptrend that I thought it would get rejected at, it still hasn't broken it. This thing was trading at 52. The trade was put on when the uh, XLP was at 54. These November 54 puts that have one-month expiration have lost about a third of their value, and I think it's really important we get asked this question all the time. I think you want to use a 50% premium stop on a trade like this, but Procter is 12% of the XLP. 
It was up 9% today. Let's see how this thing acts next week, but keep it on a tight leash. Carter? That's right. I mean, a lot of the damage was Procter-related. And, and it's also, it's not so much that stables are winning. It's just that people are hiding there in a very squishy tape. So I think your longer-term trade is intact, yeah? All right. Also last month, Mike said Twitter's troubles were far from over. Obviously, we've had this huge, almost 40% decline. But the other thing I would ask you to keep your eye on is over here and here. And that is that if you're a holder of the stock, you're wondering where exactly is the bottom. I was looking at the 30 put, which is pretty much at the money. $2.85 is what you would spend for that. And then selling the 22 put against it for 55 cents. Net, net, I'm spending $2.30. Shares of the social media stock falling nearly 6% since the time of the trade. Twitter reports earnings next Thursday. So, Mike, what do you do now? Yeah, I, I think obviously we have a catalyst. I still want to have a bearish bet on, but we can take a little bit of the money off the table. Take those 30 strike puts, roll them down to the 28s. You're going to take in about a dollar doing that. Net, net, you're going to be in your 28, 22 spread now for a dollar 30. Yeah, I'm just hard-pressed to see how we're not going to see a downgraded guidance, whether it has something to do with expenses relative to, you know, how they're policing their site and some of the revenue opportunities around advertising around the election and stuff. So to me, I, I think you wait. I think this thing could be in the low 20s in a month or two. Bad chart. I mean, yeah. you know, sometimes that's all that matters. It's bad price action. It's a broken chart. And there's more risk to downside, I would say, than there is opportunity for upside. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. I'm to take your tweets. This one is from Chandra, who says, I keep hearing the phrase options are implying a percentage move up or down after earnings. So how do I figure that out? Professor Ko. All right. So we're going to skip the mathy version of calculating event variance and go to the simple one. In most cases, the stocks we're looking at have weekly options. And what you want to do is go to the strike that's closest to where the stock is trading, add up the call, add up the put for the expiration the following week that's going to capture earnings, put that together over the percentage over the stock price, and that's going to give you the expected percentage move approximately. All right. And there's also a video in which Professor Coe explains it, too. <laughs> we'll post that on our Twitter. Time for the final call. Professor Carter. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's on the long side into earnings. Mike. I like selling the 165 puts at McDonald's into earnings. Dan Nathan. Yeah, QQQ. We got 30% of the uh, NASDAQ 100 reporting Wednesday and Thursday. QQQ, Nova at the money put spreads. Makes sense. A very big week for earnings. That does it for us here on Options Action. We'll see you next uh, Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, that money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.